0: This week on Cool Story with Brie and Bridie Bridie reads my star chart for my birthday (laughs) My favourite film of the entire year And do we like watching other people suffer The evolving ethics of reality TV You're listening to Cool Story with Brie and Bridie Where we talk about our stories, the best stories And the biggest story of the week I'm Brie Lee And I'm Bridie Jabbour
1: Brie? Yeah? Are you hungover? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes.
1: It was your birthday yesterday and it is so funny to me, the notable person that you share a birthday with. Yeah, this is hilarious. Taylor Swift. Mm. That's why we vibe. I have a big connection with women born on December 13th.
0: <laughs> Do you presume that like you and Taylor Swift would also vibe?
1: No, I actually don't uh, think that we would get along IRL right? in real life. Yep. I love her work and her writing, but I think that she
0: could possibly be an annoying friend. <laughs> <laughs> so despite me being born on the same, day as, the same date as her, I'm not an annoying friend?
1: No, because you're 1991 and she's 1989. It actually blows my mind that you're younger than my brother and one of my sisters. I feel, should I be bossing you around? I feel like maybe I should. (laughs) (laughs) I boss them around like they're too young and inexperienced for some stuff and then I'm like, wait, but Bree's a fully formed adult. Does that mean that (laughs) Seamus and Anna are fully formed adults?
0: I also sort of, I've never given this much thought, but I feel like you bring a real younger sister vibe to my life that is otherwise lacking.
1: Oh, really? Yeah.
0: You're like the one person
1: I'm a younger sister to. That's so funny. Yeah,
0: yeah. So you're hungover, which is very unbreed
1: to be hungover for work. Yes. This is – it's very unprofessional of me.
0: (laughs) What would you do? My favourite activity is to just sit down at a bar or restaurant with my husband and drink and talk shit. And we did that for approximately eight hours (laughs) around different bars and restaurants in my neighbourhood. I had this plan to, like, go and buy a perfume and, like, get a massage. And then it hit, like, 11.45 and we just – Started on the champagnes and the evening rolled through to us finishing the director's cut of Lord of the Rings at home on the couch at like midnight and it was perfect. Wouldn't change a thing. Oh,
1: he took the day off work.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's the critical component, right? Is he got the day off work.
1: I love that. Yeah. I because I love doing special things for birthdays, whatever it is, whether it's presents <laughs> which I know you find personally offensive. No presents. Or making the effort yeah. like that and doing something special to market. I did get a message from you at like 5.03pm that was
0: almost incoherent. (laughs) Almost? I looked back at it today. I was like, I have no recollection of sending this. It it
1: was like I space M, so full stop, drun, (laughs) 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 G-R-U-N. And I sent back... A selfie of me in a primary school playground with like 100 kids running around behind me because I was at primary school Christmas carols. We could not have been on more different wavelengths at that point.
0: And then didn't I reply with, which again, I also had forgotten that we'd like freaky Friday'd. (laughs) Yeah,
1: which I thought was very funny because usually I would be the one too sloshed at an inappropriate time. Yes. Except you would
0: never be the one in primary school. True. (laughs) True. Watching five-year-olds do Christmas carols. Something very sober and conscientious though. Anyway, but you've had a really good impact on me because these days I live my life with more intention to just have a sick one.
1: I love that. Yeah, I, I love that. I my impact is to make someone be less responsible. <laughs> no, it's good. You are you're a fun person without me. I'm just unlocking more of the fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I looked up another very unbreathing for your birthday. I looked up your star chart. I am so curious and to I, hear about I, I was <laughs> devastated that your mother doesn't know what time you were born because this is a crucial component. And this is something that usually we experience with Gen X partners, like all millennial women complain. If you have a Gen X partner, their mums can't remember. They don't know what time they were born. Yeah, I Like my husband's Gen X. He was born in the 70s actually. His mum doesn't even know if he was born in the morning, afternoon, or night.
0: I just remember, I have a rem- memory of when I was very young, like in primary school or something, and people were talking about this. And I just remember getting in the car after school and asking my mum, what time was I born? I just. Because they don't write it down. Well, oh, why would. Honestly, it just seems like childbirth seems like such a hectic, traumatic thing. You, you get it done and you've all survived. Yeah, but put you, it in the measure. A rear but it's also mirror. a lot
1: of paperwork. So right. it's funny it doesn't get written down in any of our oh. paperwork, but, but I guess it's not relevant. To it,
0: anything except for from my personality?
1: Your ascendant sign. We don't have your ascendant sign, but we do have your sun and your moon, so that's what I just have to make do with. And I feel like your ascendant would be very crucial because never have I read aspects... <laughs> Of a star yes. sign that made me start to doubt my belief.
0: In it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna crush your belief system, Brady. Yeah. Okay, here we go. on. I,
1: I'm making you looser and you're making me more realistic. <laughs> you're making me live in the real world. Some of it was like could apply. So you're Sagittarius Sun, so we'll start with that. And I have deep affinity with December Saggers, as I've told you before. So deep affinity with December 13, deep affinity. <laughs> we were meant to be. Um, it said what? You're restless, cheerful and friendly. I wouldn't describe you as cheerful. Uh, <laughs> I you were going to say friendly. <laughs> no, you're friendly. But you're not cheerful. I, I am in, restless. In, I am very restless. Yeah, you are restless. Okay, so we've got one of three. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Sun in Sagittarius, people are generally on the go. I know that's a broad statement, but it does apply to you. Uh, They have a great love of freedom and a disdain for routine. So I was like, oh, yeah, generally quite easygoing. (laughs) This is where my doubts start to creep in. Sagittarians often have blind faith in people and in the world. (laughs) The woman who is making me a sceptic does not have blind faith in people and in the world. What the fuck? Their their optimism is infectious. Their idealistic nature is hard to miss. Oh, well, I almost. am
0: idealistic, sort of. But sort like from of. a really like cynical place rather than And or
1: they place. they can lead to overload for work, which is yes, you or making hard to keep promises. I guess sometimes you can make hard to keep promises, but you always keep them. Oh right. Yeah, so they like, don't mean that I break promises. No, but, but they're yeah, hard. I, yeah, that's true. This is how I'm interpreting it to keep my faith. <laughs> <laughs> Possible issues. She is too adventurous. Yes, you're adventurous. And may leave things to chance. What the fuck?
0: I I have have never never left anything to chance (laughs) in my fucking
1: life. (laughs) I've never met anyone more strategic in my life. It is hugely, and I say that with massive, massive admiration, but I have never met anyone more strategic. (laughs) She is rebellious and sometimes tactless when offering opinions.
0: That's very true.
1: (laughs) Well, when I first, I said, I want to think of her as tactless, and then I look back on some of the um, professional interactions I've seen you have (laughs) and where I've been like, wow, she's, so blunt <laughs> because your ego and mind are usually on the same page. You possess abundant mental energy. You are highly intelligent with a great drive to communicate. You invest a lot of pride in your intellectual capacities. We're back, baby. We're back. <laughs>
0: it's real. So I'm feeling like so far, this is like 33.3% accurate. Oh, I feel like it's more than that. You think it's more? We're, we're, okay, all right. So
1: your moon – I'm not going to read the whole thing. Okay, so now we'll go into your moon. So the three ones that are very relevant are your sun, your moon, and your ascendant. We don't have your ascendant because of your mother. Okay. <laughs> Putting your mum on blast. <laughs> <laughs> is
0: my, I bet you're just going to hear this and be like, you should have just asked me. It's like, here <laughs> yeah, this time.
1: My mum is like so, like she is a midwife and nurse. I think that's also why she pays a lot of attention to time, but she's like very sentimental and intense. So she not only knows the times we were born, she doesn't round them off as a lot of people or nurses would. She's like 6:36 p.m. Wow. Like and we and I've always known my birth time because on every birthday she would at 6:36 we'd have to like toast or do something Aye. special. And so I guess she just cares. When
0: do they count it from? Like cuz if you Well, put- they
1: usually like I think that's a lot of if you were going to call the time of someone's birth which you yeah. don't usually do, you would be like 6:35.
0: Like I sh- No, I, I meant like is it when baby takes first breath? Like, is it when baby has like fully exited body? I think is full, it...
1: I think once you've caught them. Right. Because you catch them. I think full exit. Yeah. Because right. it's one, it's tons and tons of pushing to get the head out. And then yeah. usually it's one push for the body. Oh my God. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Can't, uh, can't something to look forward to. <laughs> 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 and your moon is in Pisces. Also very interesting to me. What the f- two of my fa- <laughs> two of my absolute favourite people in the world are Pisces, my youngest sister, and one of my best friends, Ali. And your moon is in Pisces. May get tagged as spaced out. What the? F- <laughs> <laughs> they rely on their intuition.
0: I don't have any. I intuition. know. I know. <laughs> Generally considered soft-hearted and sweet. Oh my god.
1: Right? <laughs> I know, as I said, you've really shaken my faith in this. Yeah, and I'm, <laughs>
0: frankly, I'm proud of it. Yeah.
1: And I, um and I, we need to do, there's a great app. You can fill out everything and then it does the matching of us together. And it can also give us like daily updates each day on how our friendship is going. <laughs> if you want to join, I'm obviously
0: on it with a lot of
1: my friends. <laughs>
0: Can I sync this app up to find my friends so that you can tell where I am while you're telling I am how I'm. I'm dying is for your and... location. I am dying for your
1: location. There's two people whose locations I want to get in oh, really? 2024. Well you gotta catch them all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well when, when, when I when I'm so used to tracking people and knowing what they're up to, friends and family. Mm-hmm. There's two people who I go to check their locations and you're one of them where I'm like, oh, oh I, wonder, I wonder where she is or, like, if she's... And why she's so fucking and drunk? If, <laughs> and, and if she's doing this thing and I'm like, oh, I don't have her location. I've got to get it. I'm very flattered by that. Yeah, well, the other person is another really good friend of mine and I don't have her location, but I know she'd give it to me in a
0: second. It's Miranda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, if you, I promise to you that if you ever text me saying, where are you, I will reply. Oh am <laughs> This, babe, I don't think that you know how often I check people's <laughs>
1: locations.
0: <laughs> You're getting a lot of texts from me. Okay. Well, thank you so much for reading my star chart. Is that what you just did?
1: Yeah, doing part of your chart. Oh, sure. I could go so much deeper. But those, the yeah, three, yeah, yeah, those are the main
0: ones. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't it make a difference that that like, you know, time has passed in the years and the celestial bodies are in different positions now. and Yeah, that's but. why I
1: need to know your year and your location and your time because oh. celestial bodies, there's science to it.
0: Oh. Because <laughs> the stars
1: and planets are always in different positions so that's why you are different to Taylor Swift because oh. she was in a different position in a different year so that her celestial chart is different to yours. Okay, all right. And, and that's, that's why she'd be an annoying friend. And you're for, you're someone I love hanging out with. Okay, great. Well, thank you. <laughs> no, the reason she'd be an annoying friend is because she's been so famous for so long that she
0: would have arrested development. Yes, 100%. Yeah, which we've discussed on a previous episode. Well, my equivalent of reading people's star charts relates to something I just mentioned that we did, which was... Is, is your household a Lord of the Rings household? No. Uh, see, I feel like there are really... There are Lord of the Rings households and then there are not Lord of the Rings households.
1: My husband, my, I have seen the movies, but I, The Hobbit remains like the most boring book I've ever read. Oh, yeah. And so I, try, and I think it was dumb of me to start with The Hobbit mm. um, when I was a teen. But also I grew up in a house where it was, there was five kids for a lot of the time. Four of them were girls and one was a boy. So my brother left home without ever seeing The Godfather, without ever seeing Star Wars, without ever seeing Star Trek. And he has seen Love Actually, <laughs> <laughs> um, When Harry Met Sally, uh, You've Got Mail. Like we ha- has a deep, deep knowledge and still genuinely loves romantic comedies. Like they don't come out, you know, they're falling out of fashion a bit. Yeah. But when they come out and we're in the same city, he and I will go to the cinema and watch rom-coms together. But I think... Because it was, and because I'm the oldest, and when you're the oldest, you really get to set the tone. cultural tone of yeah. the household. And so they all have a, like, they were all very influenced by my music tastes, but, and they've influenced mine as well, but yeah, it's
0: not a Lord of the Rings. Household. Okay, so the reason I ask is because we recently finished a rewatch of the three Lord of the Rings films, but the director's cuts, which are approximately a hundred hours long, so it's quite a slog. But oh it, my god! Yeah, no, they're not a hundred hours long. That's an exaggeration. What, like four and a bit? I feel like Sam will know. Yeah, about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're huge. And there are some parts where you're like, oh, I can't believe this wasn't in the original. And then there are long other parts where you're like, Oh yeah, they definitely should have cut the tree scenes. Like this is slow. Anyway. My version of people's star signs is, like, talking about whether we think people, this is my husband and I doing this, talking about all of the people we know and whether they are humans, elves, hobbits or dwarves or wizards.
1: I love that. See? Yeah. You can see why it's like a personality people love test. star signs. And yes. also explain why we are the way we are. If it's not star signs, then mm. why are we the way we are? <laughs>
0: So what am I? You, this will be, I don't know if this will mean anything to you, but in a beautiful, beautiful way, you are a hobbit. <laughs> My husband is also a hobbit. That's why I think I like both of you uh, and I'm a dwarf. I used to, um, when I was very immature and silly, I was a human with aspirations to be elf, but now I understand that I am loyal and industrious and that makes me a dwarf and I'm proud to be one.
1: And what makes me and your husband... Hobbits.
0: Oh, Max Chiller having a good one. Um <laughs> Max Chiller having a good one. Oh wait, easily
1: suggestible. Because, because I've I've seen enough of it to know that they're like, come
0: on, Frodo, let's go out of the forest and find this and He's like, okay. <laughs> but also there's like a love of an ability to find joy and pleasure in the quotidian. Well, that's a huge compliment. Yeah. It's, it's huge. Wait till I
1: read you my star chart as well. You hear the insights from that. Oh my God. Did you read anything this week, or were you just drunk? <laughs> hey.
0: I did not read, but I have a movie recommendation that I really, really want to share. But maybe you should go first because otherwise, I'm just talking and talking.
1: I read a great
0: book, and also I'm not going to talk for ages about it. It's called Erasure.
1: By Percival Everett. Have you seen people talking about this? I feel like you would. The name
0: Percival Everett's ringing a bell, but Erasure doesn't.
1: So the reason you would have seen Percival Everett referenced, I think, is because his book Erasure was referenced in a lot of reviews of Yellowface.
0: Ah, yes. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah,
1: and so he is a black writer in America who wrote Erasure 20 years ago. And if it's out 20 years ago, you know what's not going to be in it. Oh. emails and text messages, <laughs> <laughs> so it passed my test for reading. It is phenomenal. It is so clever, and he is such a beautiful writer. And basically it's about a middle to upper class, like very well-off black man whose father was a doctor and whose grandfather was a doctor, grew up around the Washington area, had a beach house, and now he's an academic and he writes, like, very, very erudite, is that the word, yeah. books, that – don't have a big market and are like highly intellectual and like about Persia and things like that. And he gets so pissed off because he goes into bookstores and looks for his books and they're under African-American literature and he gets annoyed because he's like if anyone is interested in African-American studies, what are, they're not going to get anything about out of my book on Persians mm-hmm. and what does it matter that I'm – a black author in this instance. It mm. should be in like history or literary or whatever. And at the same time, there's a book out. Everyone's talking about how it, a real, like the word real is used so well in this book. Like it's a, it's about the realness of being black in America and it's a real story. And he finds it really offensive because it's written a lot, not dialect, but what do you call it when someone's writing the way they speak and if they're um, illiterate? you can tell on the page. Oh
0: yeah. Like, That's a word for that. Yeah. yeah. yeah it, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It's
1: written almost as if the person is illiterate and it's about like growing up in the Bronx and the book that he hates is about growing up in the Bronx and, you know, a girl who gets sexually assaulted in her teen years and is a teen mom and uh, has a lot of violence in her life. And he he gets angrier and angrier through the book that this is like the real African-American experience when he's like. That's got nothing to do with my African-American experience. Why is there like one real? Mm. And But makes the point in this really clever, beautiful way that's also quite funny. And then so he, as an almost joke to himself, oh, no. writes a yeah. book ah, like that, like in that kind of dialect about someone in Compton. <laughs> of course, in LA, who is like just this no by teenage dad who's like the mother, the father of four kids to different mums and like is just on the tear and an idiot and violent. And he sends it to his agent. His agent is like, this is a joke. And he's like, just send it out. Like as as a joke, he's like, I just want to show them how dumb it is that they're loving this book because this is so stupid. How could anyone take it seriously? And It's kind of, it's like a satire proving the point. These aren't spoilers because you kind of know. You can see all this stuff coming along. And and also you get to read the entire book within the book. Wow, that's commitment. Yeah, and when I first saw that, I was like, oh, I don't want to read 60 pages of this. But he actually makes it really engaging. Like it's easy to read. And anyway, he ends up getting this massive advance and then it's kind of like how it goes from there, how the publishing industry is treating him and the role that he plays and what an insult it is, particularly because it's all these white people thinking they're being ultra Progressive Mm. and getting this true insight into the black experience. And he's just like showing them all up. And it's done, it's really, really clever and so. Funny,
0: I love that it came well. out 20 years ago. Yes.
1: Yeah. Did and you feel like nothing had
0: changed, like, in the publishing oh, industry?
1: to a degree. Yeah, yeah, totally. I could also see – I reckon I can see the books that Percival Everett, the actual author of Erasure, I reckon I can tell the books that he was hating when he wrote this as well. But I'm not going to speculate. Uh, but they reissued it. And mm-hmm. Brendan Taylor wrote the foreword, and oh, I yeah. love his books He's as well. He's
0: so good. He's so clever.
1: Anyway, so worth it. Like, a great – book and it was easy to find because it's been reissued. So I read about it. I'd seen it referenced in the Yellow Face reviews. I thought that sounds interesting. And then it was just, I was in a bookshop and it was easy to
0: pick it up. Brilliant. Well, that's perfect because so many people read Yellow Face. So, yeah. This would, sounds like a bit, goes even deeper or. Yeah. Know, yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was my book of the week. I was thinking deeply, well, you were off drinking. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I saw a film that I really want to rave about. At the end of last week's episode, I read out the description of what the movie Poor Things was about, and we were both sort of confused slash sceptical. This is my favourite film of the year.
1: Oh, and I miss seeing it with yep. you. Yep.
0: so I just want to say up front that it, there are some early screenings happening through Pepperd throughout December, but the official release date for Australia is the middle of January and you need to get to this film ASAP. So the director is Yorgos Lanthimos. I have not heard their name pronounced, but I hope that is not too far from its accurate pronunciation, starring Emma Stone, supporting actor Willem Dafoe. This is not really any spoiler there's, it's it's sort of like a Dr. Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster setup. So brilliant, uh, but unconventional scientist finds dead body of woman, and the 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 dead body of woman being Emma Stone, and the b- woman is pregnant, and he takes the brain from the baby, and puts it into her adult woman skull and reanimates her. So what you have is the body of an adult woman and the brain of a baby. And the early part of the film shows Dr. Frankenstein and his assistant Basically, it's not said like this, but it's almost like every day is like a year's worth of early childhood development. They like teach it, like because I was gonna say this would be very boring if we're gonna just do the
1: first (laughs) watching a baby brain in a woman's body. Like that would not get interesting until they're about eighteen months old. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. So it's like the development is rapid, and they like this sort of, you know, uh, fine motor skills, gross motor skills, language development. All of that happens in a very, very well done quick kind of montage-esque thing. But what this film does so extraordinarily is that – have you heard of this trope called Born Sexy Yesterday?
1: I'm not sure. No, I it's okay. I think so.
0: But it's – so it's very, very common in sort of sci-fi, fantastical – Okay, non-realism. this is where I'm not familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the best example is Lilu Multipass in The Fifth Element where you have a woman character which – and she is s- sexy. She's hot. And often, it, if especially if it's in film, she will be quite like physically able-bodied, like she's sort of strong or nimble. And so there's this semblance that she has kind of agency and she's like a kind of feminist character that a woman watching it can sort of latch onto. Another one that did this big time um, was The Wonder Woman with Gal Gadot, where, you know, incredibly able-bodied in a full-grown woman's body. But with this very, very childlike naivete that means they have to, like, hold the hand of the man who is, like, showing them the ah. world. So you're born sexy yesterday. It's And once – I learnt this term a couple of years ago, and once you see it, you cannot unsee it. It is just, in to varying degrees, in varying shades, like, just poisons so much cinema and TV. And what saves this film, Poor Things, with Emma Stone's character from being born sexy yesterday is the extraordinary way that this woman's naivete is backed up by a clear-eyed logic and rationality such that when she then interacts with the rest of the world she, like, calls bullshit on the flawed absurdity of the Ah. men and patriarchy around her instead of just being forever bright-eyed, like, bushy-tailed. And it creates... This is why it's my favourite film. Somehow, simultaneously, the most scathing critique of patriarchy and with an, like, intellectually exhilarating feminist lens whilst being hilarious... Fucking hilarious, full cinema, uproarious laughter from a mixture of, like, men and women. The screening I went to had people of all ages. It was so, so funny and so sharp. It is, like, just best film of the year.
1: And did your husband like it?
0: Loved it. Oh, so you never not any argument yeah, after. Yeah, yeah. But he and I had a really chewy discussion about how and why this avoided the born sexy yesterday trope. Because when you start and she's like got this like gorgeous body and there's clip the, the film is very very clever about revealing which men um, sort of rank for making moves on her when she's still developing intellectually even though she has a woman's body and yeah. it like makes them the villains instead of kind of her yeah her <laughs> just, just yes yeah. yes yeah. and it's like oh it's just perfect it's fucking perfect and on top of that It's it's surreal. It's not sort of set. I mean, you'd love it. No fucking smartphones, no emails (laughs) inside. Um, But it's set in this quite sort of surreal at times borderline kind of Willy Wonka factory-esque psychedelic visual spectacular language. And it 100% pulls it off. I don't know how, but it's extraordinary.
1: I'm going to see it in the summer and come back to you with my thoughts because this sounds
0: brilliant. Yeah, it is.
1: And also I've been loving this year, I've had a few cinema experiences where it's been fun in the cinema, like everyone laughing yeah. together and gasping together or whatever and having like, just having their reactions all together and vocalising their reactions. I find that really fun in a cinema. Yeah. For the right movies, of course. Yeah. But yeah, I had that with Saltbird actually when I saw that a few weeks <gasps> oh, I'm ago.
0: I'm really excited to see that. You know what everyone's been telling me is that it's not, Great, and there are bits that are good and bits that are shit, but that I have to see it.
1: So I've been
0: – I think the people who hate
1: it are overthinking it. Ah. So I thought it was funny and a great time and incredibly well cast. And I and people say it's badly written. I didn't think it was that badly written. I thought it was very funny. But the people who – actually, I will be so interested to hear if you hate it or love it because the people who hate it seem to hate that it doesn't have uh, – a. Better analysis or broader point to make about class, where when I walk into a movie like that, it's kind of like why I enjoyed Barbie. I don't actually expect Barbie to be feminist commentary. Like mm. I'm going into
0: Barbie to have fun. To have a sick and one. I went
1: into yeah to have a sick one. and I went into Saltburn Saltburn to have a sick one sick and really enjoyed it.
0: Okay, so I'll see Saltburn, you see Poor Things, and then the summer, we, and we then we will, will reconvene. Yes. I do
1: think that you were going to have a lot of things to say about Saltburn then. <laughs>
0: You're going to be like, Brian, you're a (laughs) moron.
1: No, you would never call me that.
0: So you sent me a link to an article which you believe that we will disagree about. (laughs) And I'm really curious. I'm I'm excited to talk about this.
1: I thought it was an interesting discussion. I sent it to you because I thought I liked the framing of this article Yes, and I thought it would be really interesting to talk about, although I can see already – I think we'll agree on stuff, actually, but I could see already our different points of views. So the headline is, viewers enjoy seeing people suffer. Reality TV's desperate struggle to be more ethical. And it's a, it's in The Guardian. We'll put it in the show notes. And it's a great analysis of where reality TV is now as compared to five years ago. And basically the ethics of reality TV in general and a lot of focus on the ethics of consuming it mm. and the issues with it. So what's your favourite reality TV
0: shows? (laughs) Uh, I don't understand them and I don't watch any. And I want you to explain to me what you get out of them because I feel like troubled by the level of disconnect between me and the normal population who watch these en masse. It baffles me. Well, there's so much to watch now that... Viewers of it are so different to each other. Like there can be reality TV fans who would just watch completely different shows to me that That's I would true. never watch. I feel like when – do you yeah. remember when Big Brother first came yes. out? Yes. And there was like a solid sort of five to ten years there where reality TV was almost like a monolith. Yeah. Like it was a category that everything on, under it could be contained by, whereas now – there is, like, there's the Love Islands and the Married at First Sights and then there's, like, the Real Housewives. And, then and the, the Kardashians. Kardashians. Yeah. yeah. Like, are you a Kardashian? What Love sh- the Kardashians. Okay. you Love it. House, housewives?
1: No, but only because I know myself and how addicted I would get to it. And so I think I would enjoy it, but I just do not have time to get into it and consume it because it will rule my life.
0: What about, like, sexy time, Jersey Shore, love, place,
1: Jersey Shore was a very long time ago. No, I know. (laughs) The Bachelor and Married at First Sight, I don't watch and am not interested in. But my favorite reality TV show season of all time that I loved so much, I have never watched another season of it because it completely ruins my life. Is Love Island, and the 2019 UK season of Love Island is just. Phenomenal.
0: What? Doing. Why? Explain yourself.
1: <laughs> it is such an interesting and insightful commentary on humanity and the human spirit, why we do things, what motivates us to do things, and why we do things that are so counter to our interests and that are, are going to ruin our lives down the line, but we still get wrapped up in the moment and do it. How we deal with personal relations with people when we've let someone down, when someone's angry at us, how you resolve that and how arguments should be. Not that every argument on Love Island is a good argument, but you see people argue quite well on it these days and you see people argue really badly. How you atone for your sins, how you live with your regret. Oh my god! It, it is genuinely phenomenal to watch and Love Island. So I came in at two thousand and nineteen, which I think is a crucial point because love and and getting into the ethics. I had some issues with the um, this article in how it approached the ethics of consuming reality TV, and I don't really think it was nuanced enough. And I could I think that I could already see the point of view that the writer had rather than a proper explore. Ration, mm, of wh- whether it is or it isn't. Crucially with Love Island, I came in at a season when previously there had been a few suicides linked to Love Island.
0: Holy fuck. Yeah,
1: which is horrible and obviously exploitative and there were bad work practices. So they had to fix things. So by the time I was watching, they weren't allowed to get drunk. They were only allowed two drinks per night, which I think is a key thing in doing ethical reality TV making. I do think it's bad to get people drunk and film it and then broadcast it, particularly when those people are really young, you Mm. know, when you have 20-year-olds make... Like, I can watch a 20-year-old make bad decisions on TV, though I'm kind of less interested in the 20-year-old. I like people who are older. But I really can't stand to watch a 20-year-old get drunk and then do dumb stuff and then that be broadcast for entertainment. And I don't think that's fair. But so they weren't allowed to drink. They had a lot of psychological preparation before they went on the show. So they only had people on there who were like very mentally strong and resilient. And I listened to a podcast where one of the contestants went through the process, the screening process they have to do before they go on Love Island. And they're like seen multiple times by Sykes. And the Sykes even talked to their family as well to make sure this person is okay to go on. And so, and I think that's what made it good because you didn't have, you had people who would lose their temper and they, you had young and dumb people and you had people who did stupid things, but they were all able to handle it. And you could see, and you could see the growth in some of them, especially in some of the men, like they would come on as lads who had never had a serious relationship before and who I think to an extent, not that they were blatant misogynists, I wouldn't use that word, but they kind of didn't. Understand women or couldn't properly like interact with them, like they had a funny idea of Is women. Is that like
0: in the same way you can tell when a guy hasn't grown up with a sister? Yeah, yeah. Or and
1: or in the same way where you can tell that they can't. Yes, that yeah, they have. That they have. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, They're just like they think that women are like strange, unusual yeah. creatures instead of human beings, and like they are foreign and all that. Yeah, and yeah. so,
1: and you had these, especially the men watching the men was so interesting. They'd come in, they'd be lads maybe commitment-phobic to a degree, and then they'd come in. Because the interesting thing about Love Island is, like, when you stuff up, like, say you – because we se- take half a step back? Yeah.
0: What do they do on the island? So basically
1: they couple up. In the first episode, You they couple up, and they do that in different ways each season. But in my – in the 2019 season, the – I can't remember the it was the boys or the girls, but either the boys chose which girl they wanted to couple up with. Yeah, so there are people left out at the end, or the girls oh. chose boys to couple up with, and so and then they're meant to be your couple, and you get voted on. So what do you mean? So they people vote for who they want to stay on the island. So if you're a shitty person, or if you're not treating your partner well, or if you guys just this is hard, aren't vibing and are just friends then you get brooded off and, like, you're basically voting for the couple who you think will make it, who will be an actual couple outside of in, in the real world. But they do these things where they bring in people, like they separate the boys and girls for a few nights and then let other, like, they bring in intruders so other random girls can come. Intruders. And, yeah, and random boys can come and they can cheat on their partners and that's when you see people making really bad decisions. And, like, there was a really heartbreaking arc in this. And I couldn't believe that the redemption happened where this guy cheated on his girl and they were so into each other and she had been tempted and she didn't cheat and he had been tempted and he did cheat. And she was devastated and broke up because you can't like break up and stop talking to each other. And he was even more devastated and he couldn't believe he had done this to her. He was so ashamed. He regretted it so much. And the interesting thing about Love Island is in the real world, if he had done that to a chick after knowing her for a month or whatever, then she they're just never going to see each other again. Yeah, and he kind of doesn't on. have to deal too much with his actions either. True, you don't
0: have to sit in it. Yeah, and he
1: had to sit in it and he had to deal with his actions and see this woman every day who he had so many feelings for. Who was so, who he had hurt so much, and and he had to just deal with it. Yeah. yeah. And he, and, I hated him. I was like, I cannot believe you. I love that this has
0: turned into a recap of a show from five years ago. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. But but that's what I mean by you see such interesting things about the way humans behave because they're not getting Shakespearean. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And I loved it so much. Like, you know, when I love something, I really love something. And there is so much Love Island to watch because it's like an episode five nights or six nights a week. I got so obsessed, I stopped working. <laughs> what? This is in 2021 when we we're in and out of lockdown and I would just like and I never ever ever do this because my work is quite intense, but I would like take time out of the middle of the day and watch an episode. <laughs> right. Which I usually never, that is not how I work. And I not how I can work. Stopped reading. I didn't read a book for six weeks while I watched this entire, which is, like, as we know, unusual for me. And then picnics started and we were allowed to go to picnics and my suburb was one of the, like, ultra-lockdown ones where other oh, yeah. people had freedom before we did. So I was finally able to go have a picnic. I went to a picnic. Now, this is very bright. Went to a picnic at 1 p.m. My husband went to bed at 11.30 and I still wasn't home. <laughs> And I was still sitting outside. I didn't break the rules and go into a house. I was still sitting in the park. And then I got home and then he got up at 1.30 in the morning and I was sitting on the couch watching Love <laughs> <laughs> Like That's how addic- – and this is why I don't watch it anymore because it just really takes over my life. But I just loved it. And that's why I love that. I love the Kardashians because it's not so good anymore. Because This was an issue in the article where it said, like, producers exploit things and they make people seem not how they are. And I can understand that argument. But also people don't always know how they are or, like, people want to be perceived in a certain way. You mean the contestants? Yeah, and they and they want to be... Perceived in a certain way. So on the Kardashians, they're all producers now. Yeah. And the show has suffered so much. Yeah. Because like, they, they're only showing things that are flattering to them or they want to show. But I used to love the Kardashians because I thought it was a very realistic depiction of sister relationships. Right. And how vicious,
0: how mean, so you how like funny, the, how is, loving
1: you can be. And, yeah.
0: I think this is the crux of the question the article poses. And I agree that the article is not, like, the strongest thing I've ever read. But – The question is, do we or do we not like watching other people suffer? And is there something that reality TV gives a viewer where you can watch suffering of all kinds and shapes and forms against all kinds and shapes and forms of human beings in dramas, but there is a reason that people like thinking that those are actual human beings who are truly experiencing that suffering and they like watching it.
1: Which I disagree with that fundamental premise. I think obviously some people like suffering, but reality—this is the thing—reality TV is so broad now that I don't think you can pose that as the main reason that people consume it. Well, the I think th- people like watching real people react to things and knowing that
0: it's real. But this is my bigger question and why I've just never found reality TV particularly gripping. Is because, and this is an anecdote I have that you feature in. When I had first moved to Sydney, so coming up on five years ago, four in a bit at least, I got invited to this person who we both know of, but neither of us are quite close to, who is in our industry, who had this gorgeous, gigantic, big terrace house. And is like working in the sort of media journalism industry, and <laughs> I know <who> this is. <laughs> anyway. and we saw each other. Yeah, here yeah.
1: Anyway, and you did. Yeah, and we didn't know we both had we, the same feelings about yeah, the person. This but is yes. so
0: funny. Anyway, the reason I raise this anecdote is because I met a bunch of r- interesting people from just kind of media that night, and one of them was a producer from a major television channel who produced a number of different, had produced a number of different reality TV shows. And I said, I basically was asking him some of the questions that this article posed, not so much about the ethics of watching, but I wanted to know about how real the shows were. And everything this producer told me was basically that, say, in the first decade, it was a Wild West and you could just, like, put anyone on and get them wasted and, like, it was got too unhinged, whereas now they only ever try to recruit people who have basically a, an ulterior motive for going on the show or who know that it's fake and like a game. So, And the word he used was that sometimes they will accidentally catch a civilian Like, say there's a show and there's a cast of 12 people and they're, like, on an island, in a house, fucking whatever. If the producers have done their job right, the majority of those people want to come out the other side with an extra 300,000 followers and an influencing career that is, like, set up, ready to go. Or they sort of already have a business that they want to promote more when they go in and it somehow aligns with their strategic, like, Purpose, and they're willing to take the risks of a producer giving them an unflattering cut or whatever because this is work for them. But every season there's a chance that they will accidentally catch somebody who's just actually a regular human being and they always have to make sure that they're, like, eliminated in the early stages because they can't risk, like, an actual soul being crushed.
1: Yeah, well, and it's interesting you raise that because that's what – and also as a viewer you know that. Like when when you're watching Love Island you know they all want to be influencers but on a show like that you just can't – it's it hard to hide. Like real things, real emotions are still going to happen and they're still real people even if they want to be famous. And this it's funny you raise that because th- that was a fundamental issue that I had with this article when talking about the ethics of consuming reality TV when it's like in 2020, sure, that could have been a question in the, you know, in the first five years of reality TV. But in 2023, every contestant, unless they accidentally capture a civilian, they all know what they're getting into. Yeah. Like they're all and they're all going in with, for with their own strategic purposes. So I didn't really agree with that part of the article where it said like you're just enjoying watching people suffer and these people it, people are being exploited and getting bad producer edits and it's like how exploited can they be when you walk in with all the knowledge that you have of how reality TV works and why? You want to go on.
0: And then at that part, just to bring it back to an irrelevant anecdote, (laughs) I just remembered (laughs) that at that party you and I barely knew each other then. You were there, I feel like, with your sister maybe? Yes, I was. And we were just standing by the um, snacks table for ages trying to guess how much everything in that house cost. (laughs) (laughs) And I was pregnant. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. I was pregnant. So how many years ago must this have been?
1: More than it it's be- but- the beginning of 2020. It was just before the pandemic.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, and that's then we were like, yeah, just pointing to things, wondering how much they paid for them.
1: <laughs> <And then laughs> it was <anyway>. very fun. <laughs> yeah, that was
0: fun. <laughs> so what are you going to do this week? Final working week before we drive to Brisbane to see our family. So, uh, But I am having a little dance party at my apartment, which you again were invited to and again could not attend. And couldn't attend because
1: <laughs> this time six – this is a very emotional time of the year for me. This time six years ago, it's almost midday, I was four hours away from being induced with my first baby and I didn't have him that day when I was induced. I went into labour that day but I laboured into the next day. So it's my oldest son's birthday tomorrow on the day of your party. So, I, yeah, I kind of have to hang out with him. <laughs> <laughs> And But it's always very – like I get very reflective in these few days and think about, wow, I've been a mum. This is a kid who made me a mum and it's been six years and everything that's happened in that time. And this has been his first year of school, so it's been such a transformative year as well and I've watched him grow and learn so much. So, yeah, sorry I can't come to your dance party. <laughs> You're please. only having a transformative <laughs> yeah.
0: human experience,
1: whatever. But, yeah, it's a very intense time of year, obviously, with like I have – you know, Christmas parties, work is still intense at this time of year. It's his birthday and I'm getting ready for Christmas. So it's really fun, but, yeah, it's intense.
0: Yeah, I think, like, yeah, I've had something on either work thing or fun friend for catch-up before the end of the year thing every single night yeah. for a while. And it's so um So much for your monk mode. Yeah, so much for my monk mode. I
1: wonder if you had this having a mid-December birthday, What's quite difficult about it is how hot it is for the party. So he wants a party and he deserves, you know, I I have a big thing about making a proper big deal of his birthday because I never want him to feel like it's overshadowed by Christmas, like, you know, that it's a proper event. But it's actually difficult to plan for because of how hot it is at this time of year. So it's hard to have the playground party
0: yeah I just I live in Sydney now and I used to live in Queensland so yeah well that would have been hotter yeah Yeah. like that's what I mean everything feels like it's comparatively easy to to what it was like in Queensland where the summer is like especially for someone as pale as me it's excruciating I can't go out it's not even normally I can't go out between sort of 10 and 3 in summer I can't go out between like 9 and 5
1: I stupidly went out at midday last Saturday with so much sunscreen on and got sunburned.
0: My husband jokes about like what they did with Achilles to make him invincible, how they held him by his ankle and dunked him in the like magic stuff that we have to do that with me in sunscreen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, have a great week and I'll see you at the live show. Oh my gosh, yes. Xmas extravaganza. See you there. You've been listening to Cool Story with Brie and Bridie. We are produced by the now delightfully audible <laughs> Sam Devonport, <laughs> and we record on Gadigal land. Sovereignty was never ceded.
1: You can find us on all podcast platforms where we love to see your star ratings and read your reviews. You can also find us on Instagram at Cool Story Brie where we
0: also love to hear from you. Want to hear a cool story? Get it wherever you get your podcasts.